time for the Mad Dog Show. Coming to you live from the Park Group studio in the heart of the Bulldog Nation. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Sanford Company, Ventures Barbecue, Sellers Construction, Go Clean Co., Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Jay Lee Attorney at Law, Ortho Georgia, Pelicano Construction, Jags Pizzeria and Pub, Bib Distributing, The Butler Auto Group, The Park Group, Corporate Connection, The Dog Bone, and Bulldog Illustrated. Now, here he is, your host, The Mad Dog. In the immortal words of Larry Munson, I gave up. You did too. It was over. Miracle. Dogs on top. 42 to 41. And as our fearless leader, Coach Kirby Smart, once so eloquently stated, I told him HBTFD. It's all right, Mama. That F stands for fantastic. I'm certain of it. All right. Hey, Ohio State. We, the University of Georgia, our coach called the timeout of all time in any sport. And now you are the biggest whiners on the planet. The biggest sore losers. Oh, that's right. That's right. You are loyal listeners are, are not aware of this. You don't know. So the fans of the Buckeyes, which again are tree nuts that we call the brown eyed chin nuts. Well, they stormed our Facebook page with their pink panties all in a wad, hurling insults full of grammatical errors, I might add, at me. And, of course, I collectively told them that I would need to get a lobotomy to make it a fair fight if we're going to match wits. Why were they attacking me, you axe? Because I told the truth about Kirk Herbstreet, that he botched their game the only time we have ever played and that his ego was too bruised to talk about it. And what did he do? He finally talked about it, and he proved me right. He threw his running back under the bus during the broadcast, told everybody that the running back was the one who got the play wrong on their fumble play, said it to about 22 million people. The optics were horrendous. And if you don't believe me, rewatch the game, because I've rewatched the game about six times and it's glorious but i digress here's what these brainless buckeyes should have been mad about that they wouldn't get to see the ball drop on new year's eve oh wait they did get to see the ball drop and it dropped harmlessly onto the turf of the bins about two zip codes away from the goalpost buckeye dreams destroyed turned into a nightmare by Kirby and his dogs of destruction. And I told you to start the season, this is what we're going to do. And I wasn't playing around, yo. There is just so much, too much to unpack with this instant classic that some are calling the midnight miracle. I got a friend who's a screenwriter. He lives in New York. He's a UGA alum from Savannah named Wynn Coslick. And I asked him, I said, if you're coming up with a movie, 
would you even entertain the idea in a football movie where a game-winning play to go to the national championship starts in one year and then ends in another year? And he was like, hell no, that's ridiculous. Never would I do that. Never in a million years. Reality was stranger than fiction could even imagine in this one. All right, so I'm at the game, courtesy of John Neal and Sanford Company. Again, of course, the never-ending magic carpet ride from heaven. Thanks, as always, to John Neal. It was amazing. Okay, so my, my date to the game is my daughter, Brenna, UGA graduate. She was the princess of positivity the entire game, and man, did I did I need her. She was constantly propping me up from the depths of my dog despair for the entire game. I mean, I swear I told her at least 10 different times, if this play doesn't happen, we lose. And did the play would go our way again and again and again. And so we're getting to the end. And I mean, I'm, I'm vaguely aware that we're leaning into midnight, but the year 2023 was the farthest thing from my mind. And as far as time goes, the only thing I'm thinking is when A.D. Mitchell scored, we left too much time on the clock. In fact, prior to that, I had been begging us to milk more of the clock. And don't lie, you did the same thing. And then Stroud comes storming down the field like it's his destiny to win. He's running down the field like a cheetah on Red Bull until he was stopped in his tracks on that last long run by a tackle that could easily be overlooked. And that tackle was by number 14, David Daniel Sisavon. And if he doesn't make that tackle around the 30, Stroud's getting at least to the 25 and maybe further. Who knows? And so shout out to him. And, and from there, I felt like if we could just stop them there, not give them any more yards, then we had a shot. And it's important that we remind ourselves, every single dog fan, that at that point, all of us, have been through a four-hour panic attack, a crippling, debilitating panic attack with no Xanax available at snack bar, by the way. We were war slap out. Physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. We had made friends like everybody. You make friends with all the dog fans that are around you, above you, below you, next to you. We've high-fived these new friends all the way through it people that had been total strangers just hours earlier. And again, we're exhausted. Our voice boxes are blown completely out from screaming. We're like communicating by a series of hand signals, clicks and whistles. And oh wait, I just remember this. Hold on, time out, brief sidebar. Okay, one of my new friends taught me a trick and, and uh, this is crazy. I've never seen this before in all my years of going to games and concerts. Since the game was too close for anybody to want to miss any of the game, he put his jacket in front of his waist and pissed in bottles. He was refilling his empty beer bottles with his own urine in front of 80,000 people hiding in plain sight. He could do it sitting. He could do it standing. 
we were talking during the TV timeout, one of about several hundred. And I said, why are you making that weird face? And he started laughing like a maniac. And he said, I'm doing it right now. It was the most gangster thing that I've ever seen at a Georgia game. Okay, time in. Back to the game. File that away. Okay, we're coming out of our final timeout. Kirby saved one for this situation to ice this kicker who's going to try one from 50 yards out. And all I can do is just bend over. I got, I got my hands on my knees in sheer agony from the stress. But my daughter's positivity is projected squarely on my psyche. I'm projecting nothing but positivity. I'm visualizing a positive outcome. I'm manifesting destiny, and I'm convinced that we're going to block it. There is not a doubt in my mind. And the play starts, and time slows down like you're in a movie. The play is in slow motion. I'm serious now. This is, this is my memory of this. The players launch themselves into the air like missiles. But then they don't get the ball. And then the ball careens left so badly that I'm in shock. For a millisecond, no sound is coming out of me. And I can't hear any sound. And then the joint erupts into orgasmic insanity. Grown men are exploding into tears of joy, but simultaneously laughing hysterically like lunatics from the cuckoo's nest. They're like maniacs bellowing, not words, just guttural, indecipherable man noises, just roaring like gladiators from a victorious battle. And the, the details are like hazy and sketchy from when you're in a car wreck. And I just immediately hugged every bit of oxygen out of my daughter. I didn't knock the breath out of her. I hugged the breath out of her. You know, dog fans are screaming and hugging and high-fiving. And for what seemed like days, I mean, was this real? Have we just entered the spiritual world, the spirit world? Did we really just overcome 14-point deficits? Not once, but twice. And did we really just come back from 14 points down in the fourth quarter? You bet your sweet Georgia A double dollar signs we did. I'm a hustler, baby. Hustler. I just uh -huh. want you to know. Let you know. It ain't where I've been. Uh -huh. It ain't oh. where I've been. Oh. But where I'm about to go. Yeah, I'm now I just want to love you. Just want to love you. And just like Jay-Z said, unstoppable. It ain't about where I've been, but where I'm about to go. Top of the world. It's about to go down. We played our C game and just beat one of the top teams in the country. Who was playing out of their minds, by the way. And holding on every one of their explosive plays, if you want to go back and watch them. All 21 of them, where they held us. Playing out of their minds. Case in point. Their uncoverable wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr., who is primarily covered by Keely Ringo. And before we get into Marvin Harrison, here's where I address an issue that is long overdue. Keely Ringo, you remember him? The baller who cinched last year's natty, cinched it, clinched it, and put an exclamation point on it. He has caught a lot of unfair grief this year. And so, this has to be addressed, and I'm just the dog to do it. 
So I'm about to break it down for you all in great detail. Listen up and pay very close attention because this impacts your football credibility. Each and every week, we ask Ringo to go out there and do the impossible, to cover the uncoverable, out on an island, all alone, all by himself. We ask him to be a shutdown corner. We task him with stopping the best. He covers the very best receiver on the opposing team. Five-star receivers each and every week. Why? Because he is the very best cornerback that we have. The receivers that he covers will eventually play on Sunday. Keely Ringo will eventually play on Sunday. Sunday, as in the league, as in the NFL. And do you know what happens each and every Sunday in the NFL? Many, many times, all pro defensive backs get beat. They get PI, pass interference. It happens routinely. It happens to the very best of the best. It's as much a part of the game as missing a field goal, right, Ohio State? So if you're around me and you start bashing Ringo, then you should expect a very spirited, a very vigorous rebuttal from me because here's the deal. When you're at a game allegedly cheering for the Georgia Bulldogs and you cuss Ringo, you show not only your ignorance, but a total lack of class. You show that you don't have a clue what you're talking about. You show that you don't have a deep understanding for the game of football and worst of all, you look like a buffoon, which is a poor reflection on UGA. And being the proud UGA graduate that I am, I don't in any way want to be associated with that kind of boorish behavior. And if I just describe you, go back and rewind the prior minute and listen to it again. Because what you should be doing instead of bashing Ringo is cheering for Ringo. For the guy who is laying it all on the line every play for you, for me, and in the entire dog nation. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? You better act like that. You better act like what I'm talking about and quit bashing this guy. You got it now? Good. So let's move on. Back to Marvin Harrison Jr. Now we address the insanity that the sore losers, and by the way, by the sore losers, I mean, of course, the Ohio State, and what are they putting all over the World Wide Web? Ohio State actually has the audacity to say that Kirby ordered our defense to take out Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, that's as hilarious as it is preposterous. First of all, knocking the snot out of our opponents, it's just what we do. Our defense hits the opposition so hard that they blow snot bubbles. Have you ever seen someone blow a snot bubble out of their nostril? Because I have, and it ain't pretty, and it's because something that ain't pretty just happened to the person blowing the snot bubbles, get it? So, the bulldog in question, the one who delivered this devastating blow is Javon Bullard, number 22, from Milledgeville, Georgia. Yes, yes, it was violent, okay? It was absolutely, positively 
ferocious. And had they been on the streets of the ATL, he would have been charged with felonious assault. But on the football field, it was absolutely positively a legit hit. It was absolutely positively not targeting, not even unnecessary roughness. Because targeting, by definition, and per the rules of college football, targeting involves the use of the crown of the helmet. Zero percent of Javon Bullard's helmet was involved. Zero. Also, the player has to launch themselves. There was no launch. Did he violently crash full speed into someone who had touched the ball? Yes. Is that a penalty? No. Did the refs agree with my assessment? Yes. Did everyone else agree as evidenced by Javon Bullard winning the defensive MVP? Yes. Will Ohio State ever quit crying about it? No. And like everyone that loses to us, they cried about their injuries. Let's start with Ohio State's coach, Ryan Day, and I quote, to say that losing Marvin Harrison didn't have an impact on the game, it absolutely did. End quote. All right. So now I'm going to borrow something and give credit to an author named the Dogmeister. He's a writer who publishes articles. They appear in the Dogbone every week. He's phenomenal. You should go to the Dogbone and read him. And so here's what he said about the Ryan Day quote, and it's perfect. McConkie was half of his normal self. Darnell Washington left the game. We were playing a patchwork of outside linebackers when Chambliss and Beal went down. McClendon never took the field. Nolan Smith was an assistant coach. This game was not decided by injuries, although losing fan bases tend to remember their own players' injuries much more than those of the winners. See Alabama 2021. The game was decided by the rosters recruited and coached by their staffs all the way down the depth chart. And if you lose because an individual player got hurt, then you should have recruited more players to take his place because this is a violent game, end quote. Bravo, Dogmeister, very eloquently and directly stated. And so now the entire world hates us. And do we care? Oh, yeah, we care. We love it. We are now the team the entire galaxy fears. If you're a fan of the 126 teams who no longer have a shot at a national championship, then I don't care what you think about Georgia. If your team season is over, please do me a favor and sit your irrelevant rear end down and shut your obnoxious mouth because we got another championship to win. We are running it back just like we said we would. Now look, I got a hold of some audio from our locker room pregame. A lot of you know Samuel L. Jackson, the actor. He's a huge Falcons fan. He's done a lot with the Falcons. He lives in Atlanta, and they brought him in to give the pregame speech. This is biblical, and it's cold-blooded as hell, and it's the last thing the dogs heard before they went out. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. Can I get an amen? Can I get a hallelujah? Can we get our next guest, please? <laughs>
The Mad Dog Injury Report with Dr. Ryan Schnetzer. Dr. Schnetzer is back, baby. What's going on? Oh, man, not much, David. Uh, looking forward to a big game this week. Man, I'm just so excited that I'm actually here talking to you, and we have a game this week. Exactly, yeah. You know, the last, the last was, two was, I mean, it was very much in doubt that we would have a game this week for a long time Saturday night. Well, uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> it really it literally until the last second. Uh, yes. So it was uh, it was an exciting one to watch. Um, you know, I wasn't there. I'm sure it was an electric uh, atmosphere there. I know I was watching it down at the beach, and it was certainly electric where we were. Um, so uh, looking forward to the same kind of atmosphere out in uh, out of Los Angeles on Monday. Yes, yes, it was loud in there. It's definitely not Tennessee loud, and I really didn't think it, it affected Ohio State. I guess they were working off a silent count, but um, there has never been a more Ortho Georgia injury report featuring Dr. Ryan Snetzer than the one today. So, tell us what you got. Let's start with Darnell Washington. I mean, that's. I mean, I think it starts and ends with Darnell, right? I mean, you know, they're, they're definitely keeping a a uh, uh, keeping it tight up there with really what's going on. You know, they're listing him as day to day. You know, we're talking about these ankle injuries again, and we've been talking about it all year with kind of the same thing with AD. You know, is it a high ankle sprain or a low ankle sprain? You know, it's a it's a little bit longer turnaround. We've got actually two extra days th this week coming off a Saturday game playing on a Monday. Um, you know, we're hoping to get him back. I think it's, you know, we did see him on crutches on the sideline after the game was over on Saturday. So, you know, I mean, it's just going to be a wait and see thing. So it said, it's not a sprain. It's soft tissue. He's going to get treatment. What does that mean? What are they doing during the week to treat soft you know, so tissue? So, you know, the ice and heat, did he get a bruise? They're doing some compression on there. It, it, you know, you know, soft tissue, you know, a sprain technically is a soft tissue injury. So, I mean, let's just put it that way, right? I mean, soft tissues, any of the ligaments, uh, but I guess they're, they're referring to something more superficial, which in the ankle is really not a whole lot more superficial to that. You know, there's not a whole lot of, uh, let's say, meat and bones or other, other than just meat and bones around there. I mean, um, are, they, are they putting them in a hyperbaric chamber? I mean, that's certainly an option. Uh, you know, I haven't seen it from them in the past. We, they do have that ability. There's some thoughts that can help with healing. You know, certain some places do that. I don't think they have one in Athens uh, the last time I was up there. But that doesn't mean they don't have one at the hospital. The hospitals usually do have them, and so they could be using that as well. Let's go off the assumption that he's going to play because the reality is uh, we know he's going to play. So yeah. is his biggest risk at that point just getting stepped on again? Is that is that the main yeah, thing? Yeah, just kind of re-aggravating it, rolling it up, you know, which is kind of how it happened. Um, you know, I think that's the biggest risk he he runs out there. And then other than just dealing with the pain and, and, and going through it. Well, I mean, they can manage the pain. We yep. know that. Yep. So uh, the, the injury sounded like he was stepped on versus rolling it. Mm -hmm. so, so he's got – He's got a tender foot, for lack of a, for a very simple way to put it. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's way more complicated than that. So they got to get him to where he can run on it, which we think they can do. They got to manage yeah. the pain. We know they can do. So from there, it's just a matter of protecting it. So if it gets stepped on, you know, he's not hobbled again. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm saying he's ninety percent a go. Yeah, I think he's going to, at the very least, he's going to give it a go. I mean, he's going to try to go out there and see what he can do. 
What uh, about I, I've had people asking about Robert Beal that he went down? It sounded like, from what I understand, he was more of a cramping issue than okay. an injury issue. So, you know, I think that's just one of the things you got to get him hydrated, get get these guys ready. Um, it's a closed stadium there, but it's uh, but I think it is open air still. But I think it's still going to be pretty close. The weather's like sixty degrees, so you know, maybe it's a little bit of the layoff a little bit uh, for him. But you know, I, I know they're maintaining their their stamina and their kind of the cardiovascular thing. So maybe it's just a thing where he was just a little underhydrated for the game. They'll probably make that a little bit more of a point going into this week, especially with him um, uh, staying hydrated. Uh, but I think he was really the only one I saw with kind of some cramping issues, that I can recall. Um, what about Chaz Chambliss? Uh, I do not, you know what? I don't really know what's going on. I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen anything really update on him recently. You know, um, he, he came out. So he was injured. I know, and and Cash Jones was injured. So there was that, you know, the confusion yeah. a little bit over number thirty-two. I know Cash Jones is out. He he was over there on a scooter. Yeah, um, didn't see. I, think, any, I looked at the injury report today and didn't see anything coming out about either either of those. You know, the main thing was they were talking about obviously Darnell, which is what everybody was worried about. So that's the only one you're seeing on the injury report. That's the only one I got right here that came out earlier today. Well, it's just nice to see an injury report without Ad Mitchell on it. I th- yeah, it was good to see him coming back and making some plays. Uh, uh, he made some big plays for us. So, hey, uh, he had the come back in. He had the clincher. He had the clincher. Yeah. The one that clinched it. Yep. So we got one more for him to make a big play again. You know, he's made some big plays and some big games for us. Going back to Alabama last year, and then, uh, and then this year, obviously last week. I'm going to ask you kind of a curveball, strange question. So, right. um, Javon Bullard's hit on Marvin Harrison Jr. Whatever happened, whether it knocked him out, knocked him silly, doesn't matter. He went into concussion protocol. Right. Didn't come, he didn't come back in. But from listening to the interviews with him and and watching him on the sidelines, he sounded like he was fine. Like it sounded like there was just yeah. kind of overreaching, overprotection. And if this was 1999, that cat's going back in there and playing. Well, a certain thing, if you put this back to 1999, he's playing, right? Right. But- and, and I, you know, Ryan Day made the statement after the game that he didn't see a head-to-head shot, so how could it be a concussion? Concussion doesn't necessarily have to come from head contact. Mm-hmm. It is basically like whiplash of the of the brain inside of the skull. So uh, forceful motion forward and backwards can cause a concussion. So let's just start, start with that, because I think that was the first thing he said after the game. It was like, how can it be a concussion without a head-to-head injury? And that most certainly can happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, you know, we're certainly, we're very protective. You know, we're much more cognizant of these head injuries now than we were 20 years ago. Um, you know, they've got a very, um, a, a large battery of exams they do on the sideline where they have these kids, they do a baseline exam. is a, a cognitive kind of mental uh, aspect to it as well as kind of a balance part. And, and they have a baseline that they do before the season starts. So they have a baseline for all these players. And if they're, you know, doing that assessment on the sideline and they feel like you were off of your baseline uh, within a certain, you know, degree, they're, they're going to hold you out for, for a head injury. Um, he said that, I mean, he, he most certainly could have had a head injury from that shot. He took a pretty good shot and you can see his head snap back. And so that can most definitely cause that type of injury. Um, 
you know, are they being overprotective on these? I, I certainly think they are, but I think they would rather err on the side of being overprotective than, than not enough, especially with all the new data coming out on the, uh, you know, on CTE and, and head injuries. Sure, sure. And especially with a guy who's definitely going to go pro. Yeah, I got a career like, I mean, you know, probably first round draft pick there. Yeah. Um, Fortunate, you know, I mean, I, you know, Ryan Day said he goes, he feels like if he stays in the game, they win the game. I mean, does that happen? You know, you know, maybe, but injuries and this, this type of thing's part, part of the game and you got to make do Darnell goes down and, you know, we got people stepping up and making plays behind them. I mean, that's what you have to do. Well, you, and I'm going to get into this later, but you gotta, if, if whether you win or lose a game comes down to one player, then you didn't recruit well enough. You know, you got to recruit all the way down to the to freshman level and it's next man up. I mean, we had Marvin Jones jr. In there at some, you yeah. know, and Nolan Smith is, Assistant yeah. coach. I mean, it just goes on down the line. You just—that's just an excuse. One, one man doesn't make a difference. You know, it can make it, can, it doesn't make the difference. It can make a difference. Uh, but I mean, there's 11 guys on that field, so everybody's playing. Uh, I mean, that, that Ohio State—they're talented, man. They've got a bunch of good players. There's a bunch of first-round draft picks on that field Saturday night. No doubt. You kind of count through it today. There's at least five or six just when they had the ball. I feel like counting our defense and their offense. Probably more than that, really. Um, so, you know, him coming and saying, you know, he felt like that would have – that cost him the game. I, I, You know, I think he was a little upset, emotional after the game. You know, um, it comes with the losing a game that close. But, you know, it's just – that's just how it is. And I, and I agree with you. You know, if you don't have enough talent backing it up, then maybe you, you're not worthy of making it to the next game. All right, switching gears a little bit. You're a you're a former player. You're a, you're a high profile orthopedic surgeon. I know you're going to be going to some like you know, big time red carpet uh, natty festivities. What sort of festivities will you attend that the common folk like myself could Nothing. actually be? I'll be, be just there with everybody else, my friend. <laughs> we are heading out Saturday morning. The one different, I mean, I'll tell you, I've got a there's a good group of us. We're actually going to stay in La Jolla instead of Los Angeles. Uh, just we're, we're going with our wives and thought they would enjoy kind of looking around there, spend some time out on the beach there. Um, and then, and then heading into the game on a party bus with, you know, 13 other people. It's going to be a, gonna be a good time. I'm going to be at a day's end somewhere in the heart of Compton, uh, with my sons. <laughs> I, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We, we actually don't even have a hotel yet, but we, uh, we've got you know, the, you know, there's plenty of places to find out there. That would, that would be a problem. We got the hard stuff worked out. We got the plane tickets and we got the tickets. So yeah, the plane and the tickets were the hardest part. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. people waiting. I talked to some people today that hadn't, they were, that have waited until after the game to book flights, and you're, you're looking at several thousand dollars for a round trip flight now into LAX if you can get one. Other people are looking at flying into Vegas. People are flying to San Diego. Um, people are flying to Orange County. I think has a place you can fly into. Uh, yeah. So a few other places around, but there's, you know, limited availability now uh, on flights. Pro tip, my dogs, book the flight before the season starts. That's what I did. If something terrible happens and we don't make it, you cancel it. You get your points back. The end. So it's simple. It's easy. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people learned that lesson last year. And I know you said you booked the preseason. I booked after the Tennessee game. But I think anybody that waited till even maybe even the SEC championship weekend may have seen a significant uptick in the price uh, and difficulties getting tickets. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it just got to be exorbitant, but it certainly is now. Yeah. Mine's mine's done. I'm I'm good. Well, I just want to thank you uh, for just a wonderful season and what a just awesome addition you have been. You know, you've got such great 
you're oozing credibility. You played O-line at Georgia. You're an orthopedic surgeon. I mean, it's just, you know, coming in here and explaining these injuries to the layman. Uh, it's just been awesome, man. I appreciate it, and I thank you. Well, man, I appreciate it, and I, I'll tell you, man, I love nothing more than uh, talking football, talking Georgia football, but, I mean, that's, that's, what, I, that's what I live to watch every year. Um, so I, I appreciate you having me on. It's been a good good time. Uh, you know, obviously I, I enjoy kind of passing on some knowledge that, you know, that I was able to, to learn through, through my years of training. Uh, and spending time up there, but it's been a, it's been a good year. We got one more to go, man. You know, it's a, it's been a good year, but we want a great year. All right. That's right. 15 and up. We want that. We want that next one here. That's uh, right. Let's, so. do, let's, let's do this again next year as we seek the three Pete. That's right. That's right. And then uh, was it Houston next year? It's Houston next year. I've already looked. Yeah, it's Houston. <laughs> it's Houston, Miami, and then back in Atlanta. So yeah. Maybe we could, you know, let's keep it going. If we can get one in Atlanta again, that'd be awesome. The good news about Houston, it's drivable. Now, do I want to drive to Houston? No. Oh, man, I'm not driving to Houston. But in a pinch, I may catch a train. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Dr. Snester, thanks again. Yes, sir. Thanks, buddy. It's time for some stats that matter with Burke Hodges from thedogbone.com. And back one more time is Burt Hodges from the Dogbone. Welcome. How you doing, brother? Mad dog, living the dream. What a ride. What a wild ride, man. I still mm. cannot believe we're having a natty show. You know, I was about to get worked up that Rob was stealing some of my stats that matter because Adam scribbled down here, and then I figured out that he was the one that sent me that stat, so I was stealing <laughs> it from him. So can not get worked up about that one? You're talking about the Ohio State undefeated? When yeah, they scored I thought yeah. that was so incredible. So 319-0 and 0 when they've scored at least 36 points. That is truly remarkable. At which – almost makes it impossible to beat them when they do that. I mean, when you're talking about that kind of numerical power, yeah. it's insane that we are able to pull that off. You know, I think Kirby has two numbers in his head going into a lot of games. Like, we want to score X number of points, and we want to hold them to X number of points. Obviously, all that got thrown out in the Ohio State game, but I think that's somewhere around – 35 to 40 points on offense and holding them below 20, mm -hmm. which we've done well at doing all year outside of the last two games. And, you know, we got caught in a shootout. Yep. That's exactly what happened. And we, yeah. and, and they lost the duel at the end. They lost the duel. And one of the reasons that they lost the duel, and this is something we talked about a few weeks ago when we were looking at the stats after the SEC championship, is we're, we were so similar stat-wise, like talent-wise, offense. The one big difference was defensively, we were about a half a point yard better than they were. And you know, when it came down to crunch time where we had to lean on our defense, where we had to get that stop or multiple stops, we did, and they couldn't. And that was really the difference. Yeah, it was uh, – you weren't there, were you? No, I didn't go. Yeah. Um, were, so let me ask you this. Uh, were you aware as that kick, is that play is starting, that it's about to be New Year's? No, I had lost total track of time at that okay. point. Yeah. 
Yeah, the the amount of stress that all of us as Georgia fans were going through in that second half and then that kick, I, I don't think anybody was thinking about the fact that it, the clock was ticking down to 2023 right when he was kicking the ball. I mean, it's so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I had lost track of time. I didn't know until much later. Anyway. Uh, yeah. One quick stat on that that really boggled my mind is, um, I mean, offensively we played, but outside of that third quarter, it was a gem of a performance. And it was the highest yards per play that Ohio State had ever allowed by another offense. So in our, in our net yards per play thing, with Ohio State, we we beat them 8.9 to 7.1. So we were almost two yards per play better than they were, which after you see that stat, if you just saw that stat alone, you'd be like, how was that game even close? Well, it was close because we got down in the red zone and either botched it and kicked a field goal or missed field goals, and we lost the turnover battle. We don't do those two things, and we're not stressing like we had to stress that second half. Yeah, you're exactly right. Those two field goals were key. The defense in the last 25 minutes of that game gave up six points. So we went, you know, they scored that touchdown right at the beginning of the second half after we went three and out, and after that, we buckled down and um, allow, and really the only reason they kicked those two field goals is because on both of those possessions, Stroud had a remarkable scramble for 25 to 30 yards that got him in a field goal range both times. Outside of that, um, you know, after that last touchdown, um, our defense finally, finally came to play. Yeah, where was that Ohio State team against Michigan? It was just bizarre. It was. Yeah, I keep reading after it. You know, they're saying that was the best Ohio State's played in a couple of years. Um, you know, they saved it for us, but they threw the kitchen sink at us too. And Ryan Day said they would. You know, it was like we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can. And so when they ran that fake punt, that shouldn't have been surprising to us at all. We should have known that they were gonna try that at some point in the game. Yeah, they did throw the kitchen sink out of us, and they played out of their heads. I mean, that was that was their best game in several years, without a doubt. It really was. But the the big difference was they just couldn't lean on their defense when they had to. And we have a absolute gunslinger at quarterback who plays his best when the spotlight is the brightest, and it's so incredible to watch. It really is. And, I mean, he's – He's a gunslinger that just came from the most unlikely source, you know, Blackshear, Georgia, unknown, just, you know, everybody's talked about his meteoric rise from, you know, no star walk on to where he is now. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's interesting though, Ohio State game kind of mirrored Missouri in the fact that we put ourselves in a situation where, we had gotten behind by enough where really we had to do everything right from a certain point on in mm-hmm. order to win the game. Mm-hmm. And if you look at like the last 10 minutes of both of those games, and you could even throw the national championship in there, 
the execution from Stetson in those three games was just completely off the charts. I mean, just in the national championship and Ohio State. So fourth quarter against Ohio State, he was 10 of 12, 190 yards, two touchdowns. Fourth quarter against Bama, he was four for four, 83 yards, two touchdowns. So in those two games, college football semifinal, national championship, 14 of 16, 273, four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. You can't do any better. The no. problem was he executed it so well, it almost cost us the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> we, we needed to milk more clock. <laughs> I mean, he was perfect. And, you know, the, the passes on that last drive, that pass to Bowers, when he's about to get crunched, he was a millisecond away from a yes. sack. And nobody's talking about that play enough. I mean, just the window that he threw into to make that pass work was the size of a baseball. It was, and he had to wait on Bowers to get open and wait and wait and wait. And by the time he delivered that ball, I mean, he was almost getting sacked at that point. Yeah, almost getting sacked. And then, you know, like, two guys had a shot at getting to it. It was like throwing through this window that was closing. It was crazy. And then he goes back up, next snap, hits Kiris in a window that was equally as tight over the cornerback before he got to the safety for another 35-yard gain. And all of a sudden, now you're starting to feel it. And he's feeling it, you know? And and then that, that old magic with AD kicked in, and he knew he knew where to put that ball where he broke right there in the yep. end zone, and it was just waiting for him when he came off the break. I mean, you can see how those two guys gel together and what we've been missing with him all season. And that timing couldn't have been more perfect with Ladd being down like he was, with Darnell being out. Man, we needed Arian Smith and we needed A.D. Mitchell at that point. I mean, they came through. Yeah, we needed them bad. And I don't even know if if is McConkie, I guess he's going to be able to go. Man, he looks so banged up. You know, after that yeah. two-point conversion, I mean, he was grimacing and limping off the field. I mean, I just can't imagine how effective he's going to be in the national championship. Yeah, I mean, and that was after a month's rest. Yeah. So maybe we use him in just very specific plays where he's just got one little thing to do like we did on that two-point conversion and then pull right. him out. But right. the, thing, the thing that's got to scare TCU is what Arian Smith did on Saturday because the fact that he can run by a guy like that, it, it causes the back end of that defense to have to overplay that, and it should open up a whole lot more of the field for the rest of the guys. And it's something we just haven't had as he's battled through these injuries for two years. <laughs> it was so nice to see a guy that you know has just worked his tail off. Could have thrown in the towel and said, you know what, this, I'm going to run track. This is just too yeah. much. And, yeah. man, did it pay off. It was so cool to see. You see that ball in the air, and you're like, he is so wide open. Just please catch the ball. Oh, God. It was just uh, praying because it was, he was too wide open. Like, I know when you catch this ball, nobody's going to catch you. But yeah. just catch the ball first. You, you're so wide open. Just please don't drop that ball. Yes. Thank <laughs> goodness he didn't. That would have been yet another time. If he had dropped that, we wouldn't have won. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that would have been crushing. Um, two other guys I want to call out in the game. Kenny McIntosh just, I mean, 
he just seems to get better and better. And um, he's, he's, he's so quick. He's so elusive. Um, it seems like the only thing that can bring him down is the turf. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to miss him bad. <laughs> yeah. He's got some moves. He, he, so for the game, he had 10 touches, 126 yards and should have had two touchdowns. He had one touchdown, but should have had two. So 10 touches, 126 yards. And then on defense, Smile Munden just played a phenomenal game. And at some point, I think in the second half, we figured out we have got to put like a fast spy on CJ Stroud and keep him from motoring down the field. Cause that was something we hadn't seen that they hadn't done all year. Right. And I don't think we were ready for it. And the possession, it was their third to last possession where we really needed to get a three and out. We were down by 11 at that point. They had a third down. Stroud was scrambling for a first down and Munden just turned on the Jets to force him out of bounds a yard short. Um, and then they ran the fake punt and we called the timeout. But that was so huge because if they get that first down there, then um, they're milking two, three more minutes of the clock. And there were so many things that had to happen that had to go our way. And you know, that was one of them. I heard y'all talking about the Brock Bowers catch. You know, if his hand isn't on the ground, then he's out of bounds and that play doesn't go. I mean, just so many things had to break our way and they all did. And it is eating Ohio State fans alive. That's what makes it even better is just how bitter of a defeat it was, just how close they was. They could smell it. They could taste it. They could see it. And it just got jerked out from under them. And it just makes it that much more just delicious as a dog. I think the only consolation for them at that, at this point is that their rival fan base is as despondent as that. (laughs) That may be the only thing. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's all. That's all they got. That's it. Um, one other thing on Stetson before I want to jump into the yards per play one last time. But one other thing on on Stetson, um, he's at three thousand eight hundred twenty three yards right now. So he's one hundred seventy seven away from four thousand yards for the season. We've never had a four thousand yard passer. He's seventy yards away from passing Aaron Murray for all time single season passing leader. Granted, he's had one more game, two more games, um, mm-hmm. but still, um, you know, he hadn't played in the third or fourth quarter in a, or fourth quarter in a lot of games. Um, but beyond that, he has the potential of joining the most exclusive quarterback fraternity in all of college football, which is the unanimous two-time national championship quarterbacks, and. There are only two other quarterbacks that have done it, Tommy Frazier in 94-95 and A.J. McCarron in 11 and 12. That's it. They were both natty MVPs. They were both two-time national championship winners. But my question is, is has anybody ever been a quarterback who was a two-time national championship MVP? That's a good question because he could be in a fraternity of one at that point. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> then we got to build the statue. Oh, you know? there's going to be a statue for, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. So 
that that's it on stats. And I wanted to jump in quickly with the yards per play. And um, what I did this week is I look historically at the national championship just to see what we look like this year relative to all the other years. And so you'll see 2022, and I just put us in the slot on the left and TCU on the right just as a placeholder. We don't know who the winner or loser is yet to be determined, but Mm -hmm. that's it for right now. We're at 2.14 net yards per play. TCU is at 1.32. There have only been two teams that have had a lower net yards per play than TCU to make it to the national championship. And that is Notre Dame in 2012, and they didn't deserve to be there, and they got stomped by Alabama. And Auburn in 2013, which was the only team to make it in at under one net yards per play, and they were the luckiest college football team that we've ever seen in our lifetimes, winning the um, prayer Jordan-Hare and the kick six that year. Um, so there's only two teams that have had a lower net yards per play. Um, we're right in that kind of mid-range that this year, 2.14. The average is 2.58. You can see last year we were at 2.83, and Bama was all the way down at 1.77. So when we were feeling good going in the national championship, despite losing in the SEC championship, that was the reason is we were a whole yard ahead of them going into it. A couple of outliers that are really interesting, though, is if you look at the highest offensive yards per play, that's the column on the right, um, LSU was at a ridiculous 7.89 yards per play in 2019, and that was the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase year. Um, they uh, – That was an all-timer right there. So that was the highest offensive yards per play. Lowest defensive yards per play was 2011 Alabama at 3.32. That was when they had Upshaw and Hightower and Mark Barron and Kirkpatrick. They they were a ridiculous defense, then led by Kirby Smart, of course. Um, The highest net yards per play of all time – well, at least going back in the championship era to 2011, uh, was Florida State with a 3.58 net yards per play. Um, They averaged 7.67 on offense and then 4.09 on defense. So they just had a ridiculous year that year. And And they lost. And they lost. Right? Yes, they did. They lost to Auburn. Yes. And, yeah, so – how in the world? Um, no, no, wait, they beat Auburn 34 to 31. Okay, okay. Yeah, but how they were even close to Auburn with that big of a difference between those two teams is, is crazy. Um, there have only been two teams that have won as underdogs in the last 12 years, and that was Clemson in 2016 and um, Clemson in 2018. Yeah, so both of those. Uh, no, and Ohio State beat Oregon in uh, 2014. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, so if you look at our line, um, our line is the highest, the point spread of the past 12 years um, by a long shot. I guess the second one was 
Bama and Notre Dame, and, you know, that game felt like a foregone conclusion. So, you know, I feel really good coming into this game on paper, and we've seen TCU grind it out all year, um, but I feel really good on paper coming into this game. I mean, they – against Michigan – Michigan had three opportunities inside the five-yard line where they came away with three points. They threw two pick sixes. You know, to overcome two pick sixes in a game is really difficult to do because you've given up 14 points and you've given up two possessions. Um, And yet Michigan was there at the end with a chance to win, almost a chance to win. So um, one other thing on TCU – and I know you guys, you and Rob talked about the transfer portal, and it makes a difference with them because they brought in a lot of transfer guys who have done well. But 24-7 sports does a talent composite each year, teams with the highest stars coming out of high school. And there's probably a better metric to do this now. you got transfer guys and guys that develop and don't develop. But um, there were three clear, talented teams at the top, and that was Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama. TCU was all the way down at 33rd below Georgia Tech, Missouri, and Mississippi State. They will be, according to 24-7 talent composite, they will be the 11th best team talent-wise that we've played this year. That's that's crazy. And that so that, that composite takes into effect all of the folks they've gotten out of the transfer portal, and yet still they were that they're that low. That's it. Yeah. So they look at their star rating coming out of high school. Who's on the team now? Um, They've got like 18 blue chip players. We've got, I believe, 16 five-star players. So we've got 68 blue chip, meaning five-star, four-star. They've got 16 blue chip total. So from a talent standpoint, it's not even close. But you know, did I mean, we look at like Auburn in 2013. I mean, those guys on paper, they shouldn't have been there, and they gave Florida State a run for their money. So anything can happen, but um, it sure would be nice to see see us jump out to something quick because I don't think TCU can withstand that. Yeah, that's true. And I'll tell you what would be really interesting to know is what – does Dogger think about all these numbers and bring him in to give us kind of how does Vegas look at everything other than the spread? If he's available, come in Dogger. Dogger, are you available? <laughs> he must be in a bucket. Yeah. Oh, there he is. He's there. We can see him but we can't hear him. Well, he can, uh, we'll see if he can jump in at some point, but I don't know if he's having technical difficulties on his end, but I would have to imagine that given a 13 and a half point spread, he's going to tell us that Vegas likes us because your numbers already definitely tell us that Vegas is looking at them to try and interpolate in addition to running a hundred thousand simulations of Georgia versus TCU Mm -hmm. as to who's going to win that game. 
I think I saw the FBI on ESPN. What? What? Is that a dogger? It is. Dogger. Dogger. Hey, I'm sorry. No, I have a, it's a new computer. So having, uh, I had it uh, repaired and having some issues. My apologies. Well, yeah, you're, uh, we heard a little bit of clicking, but tell us, tell us, oh, great one. What, what do you think? <laughs> that, what do these numbers all mean? Well, first of all, great to be back. I missed a couple of weeks there. Uh, happy holidays to you and Bert. I was uh, traveling there and, and uh, I was still able to do some gambling research and watch the dogs cover a teaser uh, and, and over in the uh, in the semifinals. So that was good. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of sharp money on Ohio State there at the end to drive that line down, like Bobber said. Um, right. So what does it all mean? I, it, uh, I mean, look what Georgia's uh, defensive backfield has given up the past two games against LSU and Ohio State. I mean, it's been over 500 yards, total yards, uh, in both games. I could see Duggan coming out and, and putting that up against us early. But uh, I do think our D-line will take them over uh, in the second half and dominate their O-line. I think it's going to be the end result. So I do see us, I do see us covering that 13-and-a-half, like Burt's stats, uh, they do say. Do you want to give us a final score prediction? Uh, I mean, I wanted to go in some props, if you don't mind. There are a couple sure. of I got a quick question. Dogger, quick question yeah. for you. The yeah. over-under is 63. Is that right? Well, it's gone down to 62 and a half. Okay. What do you think yeah, about so that? It's, it, seems, uh, it seems high to me, but maybe if we get in another shootout, maybe it isn't. No, I don't. In it. What's weird is that uh, when I looked at it around noon today, I use a, a, a CBS Sports a simulation type site where it actually it simulates things uh, over, I don't know the exact amount, 100,000 million times. So it does that for you, and I pay, pay for the service, but but it also uh, tracks what the public is on different Vegas uh, casinos. And 93% at noon or so today, 93% of the public was on the under, and the simulation had it at 50, 58% should be on the under. I mm. just, uh, when the public's 90% on the under, uh, I just, I'm going over. Uh, and then yeah, as far as wow. what, it's, what it said on Georgia, it said the public's 85% on TCU. This is at 13 and a half, and it did, that's when it opened. And then now, now, it's, uh, now it's down to 12 and a half. The last line I saw. So obviously there's a lot of public money, but when you look at the sharp money, they're going to sit there and, and buy they're going to wait till it gets to their point. I would say on the 12, the sharp money, uh, obviously you both know what that means. Just in general, it's just all the professional betters out there. They're going to, they're going to load up on Georgia 12. Would that be my guess? They're hoping it gets down to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I uh, I do. I mean, it's, overall, I, I love the dogs. I, I do. I'd take it at twelve all day long, and not even about buying a half. If it's a twelve and a half, I'd probably buy the half. Just get the half. So it's um, I don't know. There are some interesting things out there. Though, obviously, when you have a national championship game or a Super Bowl, there has to be some props. Has to be first halves, first quarters, all that kind of stuff. So I know we talked about the video earlier uh, with. Bobber, but Brock over 79 receiving yards. I think that's 
that's a no-brainer. He had four for 64 in the last, in, against Ohio eight. Had 790 on the season, so um, that averages out to be pretty much equal, maybe a little under, but I love that one, especially if uh, if number zero doesn't play, Darnell doesn't play. The Bennett passing yards, 292, that seems awfully low to me based on what his, yeah, 398 against uh, Ohio State, averaged around 300, just under 300 for the year. That seems a little low to me. And then uh, Duggan, the 277, he only played 225 against Michigan, which, I mean, people I know it's talked about earlier, but people don't realize he really didn't have to do too much because you had uh, Marcalo or however you say his name, he came in and just got a dominant game. Mm-hmm. And then plus all of Michigan's turnovers for, for points. Yeah, and McCarthy lit TCU up. I think he was way over 300 exactly. yards. Oh, he was. Yes, absolutely. I saw that today. I don't remember exactly. But I want to say he was close to where Stetson is to Ohio State, somewhere in the 360, mm-hmm. 370 range. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's um so those are three props that I that I saw out there. And obviously you have to pick heads versus tails, and you always go tail. A lot of people think you have to go heads. Um for the game, uh, for the game, I'm i uh, well actually I'll I'll wait till the game for the first half. Georgia is minus seven and the total is three. One and a half. I actually like TCU to cover the first half. They come out of just real excited. I don't think they're going to have. I don't feel they're going to have national championship nerves because they've been in such dire situations all year. I mean, I, I've never thought they were going to be twelve and zero and be where they are. But they obviously have come back and, and survived some scary moments. So I like them to not be too scared and, and cover that seven. And then over in 31 and a half. And then uh, first quarter is always a fun one just because everybody's so excited to watch. Georgia is minus three and a half. And the total is, is 13 and a half. And I'll, I'll go, both teams are going to play each other out, feel each other out a little bit, go TCU and under in that first quarter. Well, there you have it. <laughs> that uh, did you scribble? Did you get all that, Bert? Did you scribble all I that got down? It down. I'm, I'm gonna be tracking it. <laughs> well, it's it's on air, so you can listen to it later. Yeah, <laughs> I've already no, made my a, one one bet for the year on Stetson to win the Heisman. So well, you came you almost nailed. Came almost this nailed. close. You, you came very close, in my opinion. I, I don't think many people had to the Final Four, so. That's what I should have bet on just to get to the final four. I bet those odds are at least 30 to one. I would, I would assume. Probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. At and then least. one other thing that was brought up uh, when I was watching the show earlier, uh, you mentioned that Georgia hasn't had a kick return uh, this season, which I was shocked about. Uh, so the odds on that are 110 to one. Hold on. The odds of Georgia returning <laughs> any kick, <laughs> punt or kickoff. <laughs> For a touchdown. For a touchdown, 310 to 1. That's what I pulled it up. I don't know. I just I, I Googled it. And okay. that's what I found where the odds of Georgia of Georgia returning a touchdown in the national championship game were 310 to 1. What about a pick six? I didn't Google that in a minute. 
Three ten to one. That's worth throwing ten I mean, bucks. I'll guess, I'll guess, I guess. I pick six would be would be hundred to one, maybe ninety to one yeah. somewhere. In there. I was gonna say fifty. Yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah, gotta be low. Be, uh, I can't believe we we haven't had a defensive touchdown all year. Is that what Rob was saying? Yeah, that's what I said. And it was the, the, the only one we've had. The the kick, the blocked kick against LSU. I mean, if you count that as a defense, mm-hmm. I guess so. But um, definitely haven't run back a kick in ages, not for a touchdown. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, and it's, it's so going to be this year. It, it includes prior years. Yeah. I mean, it's th- think about it. When was the last time we ran a kickback? I can't. I mean, I feel like it was last year, but I don't know. I don't, I think it's been like three or four against Tennessee, maybe last year. I don't, I'm not sure. No, we did. We didn't run one back against Tennessee. Okay. Last year. Um, but I I may take a hundred more bucks to bet it on us to run a kickback. I mean, yeah. throw, throw, throw a hundred bucks down to win 31,000. I mean, it would, that's yeah. I mean, that, I agree the odds are way off, but yeah, it's uh, obviously the shot. If we haven't done it in so long, then they're not think we will again. Mm-hmm. That makes me want to bet a thousand. <laughs> well, and the longer we go without doing it the closer we are to the next one that's like winning the lottery the billion dollar lottery. all right what can either one of you tell me about tcu's uh punt return defensive team that's special teams <laughs> that's what I, want to know right now. I didn't work up any stats on the special teams are, are they yeah. good when how many have they allowed a touchdown this year if so when if not when i uh i, I, I can uh I, I can email that to the uh the Mad Dog radio website uh and and post that i did yes did yes do a little more we, research we love, on that one. we love fact i can't like imagine that. I can't imagine that their special teams is as good as ours, though, because, you know, we take all of our five stars that aren't ready for action and put them on special teams. We had to put so many of those guys into the game Saturday that Kirby said we were down to our third and fourth string guys on special teams because our second string was in the game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah that's, that's how right. Cash Jones got, got yeah, hurt. Yeah. And we had, you know, you saw Jalen Walker out there regularly, number 11, and Marvin Jones Jr., number seven. And that's just off the top of my head. Yeah, oh, we had three, three true freshmen on the offensive line in the fourth quarter. We had Mims and who else? On the, I mean, I'm sorry, on the defensive line. So oh, okay. We had Williams, yeah, yeah, Marvin Jones and um, Bear. And Bear and, and Williams. Walker. Yeah, right. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And, I mean, it just – Do you all agree the, the, uh, the ultimate matchup, do you agree it's going to be our D-line versus their O-line just because our second little suspect past a couple of games? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was reading – Graham Coffey wrote in Dog Central about the adjustments we made in the second half on defense because – they were killing us on that crossing route. Yep. And what we just decided to do, we just started rushing six almost That's every right. big play. And um, it started working. It was a huge gamble, um, but it paid off. That sack by Dumas Johnson, the pressure by Munden at the, on that last drive, 
um, we hadn't brought six, I don't think, all year. And we just decided that is what we've got to do to stop these guys from Stroud from just picking us apart. Well, here's yeah. another thing that that I was um, – I saw this on Fine Bomb yesterday. There was a guy that called in. He's a coach, and all he does is break down film. And he was like, guys, I broke down this whole game – on all 21 of Ohio State's explosive plays, there was obvious holding. Like, I can break down the film. I can show you. He said, Paul, I can send you the video on every one of these plays. They're holding Georgia. And so, you know, it's these no calls that people don't talk about, right? I mean, mm -hmm. was, was our defense playing that bad, or were we just not able to put pressure on Stroud because we're getting held so much? Because I can't yeah. believe that Jalen Carter gets completely neutralized. Matter of fact, I refuse to believe that. There's no way. I think well, they, they decided pretty, they were just going to hold until they got called for it. Exactly. True. Yeah, that's true. They, they did put extra people on, on JC, but – I just search four and then and then blitz off the corner and then get burned on that on that uh Duggan knew where that, that blitz was coming from. He read it so well in that in the first half, really. He read where that pressure was coming from the entire thing and he threw it there and our DBs were not able to to fix that. And I think that's why Burry started bringing the six. And and that's when uh he basically he didn't have time to to read anything and do what he needed to do. But I do I fully agree with the hold aspect. I wish I could go back and rewatch TCU and uh, and Michigan just because I just caught bits and pieces of it. I would think it's got to be a, a a re. I mean, somebody's got to replay that. Maybe SEC Network or maybe not SEC Network because there's no SEC teams. They sure play our game, but I'd love to rewatch <laughs> TCU and Michigan just so I, I watched could, every play you know, of it. I watched, honestly watched every play of it. I was just so fired up, and I had nothing else because I was. I could move sitting here waiting for the dogs game. I watched every play. They ran all over them. Michigan made some critical offensive plays, obviously. I mean, start the game or have a guy run 56 yards and, and then not score on the one-yard line. It just it was an idiotic play called by Harbaugh. So it was uh, – TC got, got extremely lucky to win that game. There's no doubt yeah. about it. But they ran – Duggan, like I said earlier, he only had 224. Four passing yards, so 225. I'm looking at my set, 225. So, I mean, he didn't dominate the game himself. He did run well. Uh, he always will. Ain't him just like you have to Stetson, but he, uh, their Michigan just this uh, cost themselves the game, basically. Yeah, yeah, they shot themselves in the foot. I mean, you don't win games when you have two pick sixes. I mean, you just right. don't. Right. Yeah. And both defenses look completely gassed in the second half. No doubt. Uh, yeah, TCU did, especially, um, which pretends well for us if we really get into a second half battle with them. That's exactly what I'm thinking based on my being with the, with the first half of the first quarter. I'm thinking that they'll come out on fire to do some flowing, and then our, what Kirby has taught our team, the, the Bulldogs all year, is conditioned. And, and some of that started on whatever day, day on the 10th of 2022 with getting, and getting our players in shape for a night like tomorrow night. I, I just think we're going to dominate in that aspect. 
I love it how Dogger is so hard to hear right now on his computer. It's almost like he's using some like voice distortion software to truly, <laughs> truly mask his identity. You know, we can't see him. We can right. hear him, but it's real. Yeah. It's real choppy, you know, all, yeah, to, all to protect his, all to protect his identity. <laughs> yeah, it's like that special witness that doesn't want their face shown or their voice. So they've distorted everything. Oh, he's deeper than witness protection. He's deeper than witness protection. I mean, he's like on an island somewhere that, that a sovereign nation where no one can get to it. That's it. That's it. That is not the case. I'm like, that's not the case. He just got. He just got out right there. Is this really a new computer? We lost him all together. No, it's not a new computer. So there he is. Come over here. I don't know what he said. I don't either. Here. <laughs> He's here. He's here. I'm here. All right, guys. Hey, I'm going to text you for where, where I can maybe find a place to make a, a bet as I'm flying over Las Vegas on us running a kickback at 310 to 1. That's it. Get that money on that. Yeah, that's the sure. bet of the week. That's the bet of the week. Yeah. I'm putting it out there per dogger. Well, yeah. dogger, are you are you recommending that bet? You came up with a number. You're saying good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's worth it's worth ten bucks. Yeah, and when that happens, I'm coming no, and finding you in the bucks. stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Can you imagine? Even if can you imagine having a hundred bucks on that bet? Yeah. And it hits. And it plays. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hey, guys, I got to run, but I want to leave you with one thing. This is from um, – if y'all don't read Dog Central, um, do your, it's worth the price of admission just to get Graham Coffee's 12 takeaways from each game. Um, his write-up on the Ohio State game, he actually went into 15 because it was so good. But he left us with this. I wanted to read this before I signed off. He said um, – now the dogs have a chance to win the last college football game of the season and go back to back after a 41 year drought. I don't think any of us could have ever imagined this. I know we couldn't have imagined how Saturday night happened. Enjoy this week. Enjoy these years. Soak in all the sights and sounds while you're on this ride. This is rarefied air. He nailed it. Yep. Sid. All right, guys. Enjoy it. All right, guys. Bert, I will see you. I'll see you in LA, Bert. See you at SoFi. I will see you there. All right. All right. Go, go dogs. Let's go in the basement with Buffalo. And as you know, it ain't a show without Buffalo. What's going on? Mad Dog, how you feeling this evening? Man, I could not possibly feel any better, especially considering how bad I thought I was going to feel. Just what a dark place I anticipated myself being in all throughout that game. So I feel great. I'm right there with you, man. And might, and might I say it was good not to see you the other night. Yes. I think if we had that field goal splits the uprights, we're doomed. I think you're right. The streak is intact. I may never see you again. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. As far as I know, you might just be a robot. <laughs> this is all AI. I do not it even is, exist in it real is life. Some, some weird land with a robot. <laughs> I 
I don't know. Maybe I'm a robot. Who knows? It's not Westworld. It's Dog World. That's right. <laughs> so, I mean let's let's hear it what, what were you seeing what were you thinking what were you feeling all right well i got to uh i got over to chuck's house before we left and 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 bo moore was like all right the line's down to three and a half and i got nervous for that. i'm like uh-uh. yeah i'm like this has all happened since nine o'clock this morning i mean it's it's circling the drain i'm like man that's not good at all so i started getting nervous we get down to the sit go next to the Rose's Cafe or wherever, Rosie's Cafe down there. I get out of the van uh, and there's a, I meet a, like a, he's not as tall as Snoop Dogg. He's like a six foot version of Snoop Dogg. He's real skinny, hair looks the same. And he's just gotten out of jail and he wants me to buy him a pack of Newports. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I don't know, I don't know. And I keep talking back and forth with him and he's like, I just got out of jail, come on. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I was like, you pull, who are you pulling for tonight? All this kind of stuff. Finally, I say, all right, if you promise, I get on to him about going to jail. I'm like, stop going to jail. We're all sick of it. And quit getting in jail for aggravated assaults. And if you promise me you will, I'll go buy, I'll give you some money to go buy some Newports. So I reached in my pocket and gave me, I gave him a $10 bill. And when I reached in my pocket, as my van's leaving, I realized my phone's in the van. So I was able to stop the van before it leaves with my tickets on it. So oh. that was the best ten dollars I ever spent. Wow. Mini Snoop Dog. Mini Snoop. Anyway, that happens. Uh, you know, it ended up, you know, changing seats. Third the first three quarters I set up top. It was awful. I had a not an obnoxious Ohio State fan, but Ohio State people to my left. Uh it was uh grueling, awful. I started, uh, ended up by myself. I won't get into that, but and I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to think about all the people who said I'm not, I should go to the bins and I'm a jinx and all this stuff. I mean, I've lost two games at the bins and they were both against Alabama. I mean, I, I mean, that's like, I mean, that's like uh, saying he went to a UCLA basketball game to pull against him in 1973 and you came away with a loss pretty much. Right. I mean, Anyway, to all those people, you're welcome because I stayed the whole time and you saw what happened. So whatever you think's on me is off me now. Anyway, right. moved to a different seat. And when I did, the whole game changed. All those people thought I was some kind of good luck charm. And just bedlam at the end. I, I couldn't. We couldn't contain ourselves. I had minor tears. I didn't think I would do that after last year, but I teared up a little bit. I, I had... I should have, but I was still in shock. I could not believe that the things that needed to happen happened for us to win that game. It just, it wasn't real. It's still to a certain degree, not real. It was, like I said, terrible first three quarters. I was cussing the Benz. I was cussing Mercedes Benz automobiles. <laughs> I was cussing. I hate that PA announcer. Hate that guy's voice. I'll have just not because he's bad or anything. He just reminds me of a lot of heartbreak. And I'm like, here I am again. I was saying, I, and I started up, ah, I'm never coming here again. But then it, it was weird because when you, when you already just think it's over, you don't have as much angst till it gets to the last two or th three, four minutes. And you're like, oh my God, we do have a chance. And then it ramps back up again. Yeah, I mean, I I mourned that game 
numerous times. I was there with my daughter and I kept telling her, okay, if, if this happens, it's over. Just get ready, trying to prepare her. And then it wouldn't, you know, and then, you know, we found out we called a timeout on a punt and we found out that that wasn't targeting against Javon Bullard. And by the way, let's talk about Javon Bullard because you made the call on him. You made that call. Yeah, man, we've been on him all year. A buddy of mine from Valdosta is really – he his his guy used to be Lewis Seen, and he's like, you know, first of the year, he's like, Bullard's taking over for Seen now. He's going to be our man now. So, we, we, we've really zoned in on him. And, uh, man, what a play. Uh, they're all – of course, the crybabies are out again. That's all – that's what – every time we win a game, a big game, it's something else other than the actual game. Uh, more injury stuff, but, you know – it's not my fault that he knocked him crackers. He knocked uh, Harrison out, and it's football, man. What a play he made! That ball floated, and he just jammed him with his with his shoulder first. I might add. I want to. I'm trying to find the quote you texted me about um, the other team's players getting hurt. It was so good what you sent me. Do you remember what you said? Um, I said I, this to Alabama last year because. It's they all think that we're in the game perfectly healthy, like we're fresh as a daisy. September first, Labor Day fun at the lake. No, we're. Do you think Nolan Smith would have been a good player in that game with all the scrambling we had to endure? He would have been huge. I didn't. I'm like, you know, like I said, next man up. I said the health of your team is not my concern. Beautiful, beautiful. It's so true. I mean, they act like. You know, and Snetzer just said this. He goes, one player going down may make a difference, but he shouldn't make the difference. And if he yeah, doesn't. He, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the guy's a great player, and I know they missed him. But, again, it's we're not playing bowling. I mean, it's not bowling. It's not curling. Injuries happen. I'm sorry he got hurt. He got hurt on a bang-bang play with a guy knowing if he catches this ball, we're cooked. I got to get him loose of the ball. And he did – he led with his shoulder. Whoever looked at it in – where do they look at it? Is it New York or – I don't know. Is that where it is? I don't know. They agreed. Sorry, Ohio State. Yeah, he definitely I mean, separated the man from the ball. They had I mean, four chances to knock us out and didn't. And they, it culminated with the botched field goal. They ran a little hurry-up thing to the line one time, and it got, they didn't get themselves. Our defense wasn't set because they were so fast. They weren't. They didn't. They didn't know what. To, uh, CJ didn't know what to do because we were weren't ready for it. But we got down. So therefore, they weren't ready for it. I mean, they just they did a lot of things down there before he got hurt. The two plays before he got hurt, and the one after. All right. I just left it out there. All right, I got two specific plays I want to talk with you about. One is what they're calling the Brock Bowers matrix catch. Yes. Have you ever seen that kind of body control on any level in your entire life? No. Not, I've never been to Cirque du Soleil, but they say it's sort of like that. So I, I haven't. <laughs> and since we don't get to see replays, they don't show any – I didn't see one of that. In the, no. I, I just put my head down and said, ah, it, it's over. And then Chuck's like, they're reviewing it. They're reviewing it. And then they come back and they're like, it's the first time. And I'm like, well, okay. And when I got home, 
I checked it out and was just amazed. At, and then the still shot of that is, is crazy. Well, I mean, his feet coming down and then it's like, and then they, he magically raises them back up as his hands down and he's simultaneously moving the ball forward. It's bizarre. It's, it's crazy. That's core strength that none of us have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Other play that I want to talk about that nobody is talking about that you pointed out. I haven't heard it anywhere else. And it's the fake punt. Yeah, we know Kirby called the timeout. Great. We all know that. But what nobody's pointed out but you is the fact that Ohio State had 12 men on the field. Yeah, I, I, I told you that Sunday morning. And it, it had – I've heard it a few places since. But a friend of mine from Lexington called me and said, you know there were 12 men on the field. And I was like, Wow. And so he sent me the picture. He went and found a still shot of it and sent me the picture. And uh, I forwarded to you. Yeah, I mean, that's the job. of. There's a guy that just counts. And what there was one guy, the only thing I can think of, there was one guy six inches from the sideline. I mean, he was right on it. And did he blend in? I don't know how they missed it. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was standing facing the other players so that it didn't, so they didn't count him. But I guarantee you, we don't call a timeout. They get that first down. They are not calling 12 men on the field. No way. No, no, no. That was, no, they weren't going to call it. And that's, I don't think that's a reviewable play. I don't think they can go back and look. They can go back and look and see if somebody ran off in time if they called it, I think. But they can't go back after a play's done and say, oh, yeah, well, we think you had 12 men on the field. I don't think they can do that. Well, if they can't, they should because that's too easy. I mean, that's just – I mean, that's a layup for somebody to be sitting in a box somewhere looking at every single play and going, oh, yep, they did have 12. Sends that down to the field, penalty, back them up. But I think there's a guy they have down there that just – I don't know. He didn't. He didn't see it. How the other guy didn't see the uh, whatever he is the headlinesman or whatever didn't see the, the the running back take off early in the third two? I'll never know how that happened. But oh my gosh, that was so subtle. That was so subtle. I forgot about that. I mean, he was but just he was right behind him. I mean, he but he barely made a move towards the line of scrimmage. You know, if that happened to us, we'd have been irate. And that's the exact kind of call that we would in the past. That would be called on us. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be something that would happen to us when we had a lead on somebody in a big game and they start clawing back and you feel it. Yeah. I felt for the, I didn't feel for them because, you know, we don't want them. But I did know how they were feeling when we started off. When we busted the 76-yarder, I'm like, man, they got that old familiar feeling that I've had sometimes in the past all the way back to 2012. And it's a terrible feeling to get, man. It's like it, it reminded me of the first time Kirby got us in a natty. I mean, just how everything went wrong yeah. against Alabama, except it was reversed. Yeah, and the, whatever, was it 2012 with Rick and, the, and Aaron Murray and all of them, or 13, whatever that was, we had them. And if that old feeling came and you did it, that's what happened. When we should have spiked the ball and we didn't. Yeah, that time. That time. I was there. Were you there? I was not at that one. That was the Georgia Dome, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. 
Oh, so how do you feel about TCU? I don't know, man. I mean, I watched them, what, twice? I didn't watch much of that Michigan game. I can't – I find I can't concentrate on the early game if we haven't I, – I've watched a little bit, but I can't follow it. I, I, I was too worried about us. Um, I did watch them against Kansas State, and I watched them against Texas, I think. Yeah, I, I was I was bouncing around that uh, the tailgate, and there, of course there are lots of TVs watching it, and I kept seeing you know pick sixes and Michigan fumbling at their own goal line, and it was, I mean TCU's lucky to be here. Let's be honest. They are. They've been doing it all year. That's the only scary thing. I mean, they kind of been making a big habit of this. You think one day this would run out? Um, I've been hearing some stuff about their. I guess they play a three-three-five or something. Yep, yep. Uh, and, and it's it's something that what we saw and uh, I think it was kind of designed to stop the RPOs at the Big Twelve, so we don't see it much. And I guess Mississippi State ran some kind of version of it. Correct. And I know we didn't run too well that night. I think we had one hundred seventy something yards rushing, but seventy-one of it was a lad run. But the running backs. We didn't have a normal conventional running game that was what up to our standards. I don't know. Well, uh, ba- based based on what I've read, that uh, a two tight end formation gives the three three five a lot of problems. Well, let's hope the big O can play. I mean, I said that I thought uh, Delt would have a catch. He didn't have a catch, but boy, he had to block in a meaningful meaningful situation for a long what th- two and a half quarters. Yeah. So, I mean, I know he can't block yet, like, like, excuse me, Darnell, but I'd, I'd like to see Darnell out there. So, if the, the double tight end set gives him trouble, man, we need him in there. Yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, that Darnell's going to probably be on a pitch count, and he's probably going to be subbing more than he would have had he not gotten hurt. And, hey, that's just more invaluable experience for Delp for the next at least two years, hopefully three. Um, but it's, uh, I like our chances. I'll put it to you that way. I do too. I do too. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, but I think they'll score. They might score 20 points. I think we're around 36 to 40. I can see us double them up. Hopefully. I mean, they let Michigan score 45 points, and if Michigan doesn't throw those pick sixes and fumbles, Michigan's at 63. Yeah, we just need to limit the turnover. It'd be nice to win a turnover battle. Yeah, Hal Greer, Hal Greer argued about the fact that he's never seen a team lose the turnover battle but still win games like we do. I, you know, we lost the turnover battle in that game. I think we were minus one, probably minus one for the year. But it's almost like it doesn't matter. It's yeah, it doesn't weird. usually work out that way. Yeah, it's weird. It, it goes completely against conventional wisdom. Yeah, if you're even 50-50 over an entire year, you figure you lost at least two or three games, even if you're a good team. And the fact that we can overcome – if we could you, – well, you see what happens when we when we win the turnover battle against teams. We It's over, man. The game's over. So, maybe we can – get some off these guys, knock some loose from Duggan and contain that big wide receiver a little bit. And, you know, we haven't had a defensive turnover. I mean, a defensive score this year. 
we had the weird, you know, Chris Smith score off the block field goal, yeah, that but that count. that doesn't count. Yeah. You know, no scoop and score, no you know, pick six. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, so we're due there. We're still due for a kick return. I mean, we we're so overdue for a kick return. Kick return. Yeah, we need something like that. Uh, hey, before I forget about it, I'm not trying to check. Did you know what Ohio State was all time? All-time football history when scoring 36 points or more going into Saturday night. Undefeated. 319-0. and 0. Whoa! That's going to rival Burt Hodges for stats that matter. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Say, say that again. This was sent to me by a very reliable source. I haven't researched it. I, I know this. This guy's not wrong. When Ohio State has scored 36 points or more in their lifetime, they are current. They were in the year 2022. At that point, they were 319 and 0, and as 23 turned over, they're now 319 and one. Bombshell! Bombshell dropped by Buffalo. That I, I probably should have looked at it myself before I stated it on the show, but I. Guarantee you this guy's right. That is crazy. And then I saw another stat, a similar stat. Uh, the dogs with Kirby, when we score more than 30 points, we're 57 and one. Which that's is pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. So we, we need to get to 30. That's our magic number. Yeah. And what was the deal about when Kirby gives up 35 plus we always lost or something like that. And, and now, now we, I think we've got, you know, we put that to bed the other night. I think we've done it before he won twice, but we don't usually, the problem is those games don't come very often. We don't give up 35 plus very often. And in the past, we didn't have the offense to counter it, but now we do. Yeah. No question. So here we sit on the precipice of history, potentially the first team in the playoff era to go back to back. I mean, at the start of the year, where did you think we'd end up? Uh, I, I thought we probably had an outside chance at the playoffs. I thought we we're going to lose to Alabama in the SEC championship. And depending on what else was going on in the country, we might slide in again. Or I was a little bit worried they may be sick of us uh, doing that and they might not let us in. But I had picked Alabama and win the whole thing. I'm no doubt about that. Oh, this was their year. I mean, they, Feinbaum was even talking about it yesterday. Because they had the team. They flat out underperformed, which is very un-Alabama-like and very nice to see. Yeah, and then Saban was whining after the Kansas State Bowl game about – he started talking about how they should have been in. Still, yeah, he's making reference to it. Oh, what did he I mean, start? Not, yeah, we just look how great we played. I mean, you know, we should have. They should have probably given us a little more consideration, type thing. I mean, did he did he play the the transitive math game? He was like, we beat Kansas State, <laughs> who beat TCU, who beat Michigan, who beat Ohio State, so we should have been in. Was it that? <laughs> Maybe that was his logic. I don't know. I mean, they 
to quote Robert De Niro in the movie Copland, you had your chance, but you blew it. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what happened. That's a shame. They can't win every year, man. They just can't take it now. They're, they're, they're having troubles now. They're starting to get worried. Well, yeah. I mean, they kind of took it for granted for a long time. I just thought it was always going to happen. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that those days are behind all of us. Yeah, me too. Their uh, best days. Y'all flying the, out Friday? No, man. No. Flying out uh, Sunday with my two sons, just the Wilson men, the Wilson ladies. Couldn't they had stuff going on work wise? Um, so it, it's easy when it's just the guys. It's like, you know, we uh, when it's time to go, I'm like, grab some t shirts and toothbrushes and let's get in the car. And then we just get in the car and go with the yeah. girls. You know, you know, with women, I got to make up fake deadlines that are like two hours off for when we really need to leave. And then we're still <laughs> like 30 minutes late and I'm all stressed out. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> I have two daughters. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you get it. Uh, I don't have to worry about running into you. You're going to sit this one out. No, you won't see. If you see me, something's going wrong, but but you won't see me. What magical scenario would have to happen for you to end up at SoFi? Like just a a package drop out of the sky that was hotel flight and ticket and then, you know, pick you up in a limo? (laughs) Something like that. Something like that. I got to stay around here with my my wife for a few more days while she recuperates from a minor, little minor procedure she had on her on her foot. So I'd hate to leave her up here, unable to drive and all that stuff. My kids are out of town. Well, uh, skipping yeah. school in the Bahamas right now. But anyway, well, tell Miss Laura we hope she gets well and is running around again soon. Yeah, she's on the mend. Yeah, she's doing all right. Well, good. Well, I mean, what what other, you know, factoids, what else do we need to be talking about? It feels like, you know, we're not talking about TCU enough. Well, I mean, TCU, what they built their team off of uh, transfer portal. They were five and seven last year. Sonny hit the gold mine with transfer portal, and it's clicked for them. I mean, I'm impressed with what they've done. Oh, yeah. You know, Duggan's a tough guy, man. I think he grew up on a farm in Iowa. Uh, been through a major heart surgery. I mean, I think the guy's tough. So we'll have to, you know, we'll have to grit it down with him, man, hold him down. But uh, I think I'm, – I know he can run, but I, I, I don't know, man. Stroud was – he was really uh, unstroud. He was more Bryce Young than he was C.J. Stroud the other night. Will this be the first natty in the Kirby Smart era where we're wearing the home jerseys? I did not know. We were, I was looking. I was trying to look that up before I drove home today. What color we were wearing? Well, we're higher we're rank. We're higher rank, so we should be red, right? Okay, I guess. I, I guess that's how it worked. I'm not. I, I figured, but I just wanted to make. I didn't know if that was our choice. And we could say, okay, well, we're wearing white because if you ask me, after last year, I don't know. I, we need to wear our iconic red, I guess. But well, so white last. Year. Last year we were white, but in 2018, weren't we in white too? Yeah, we were. We were. You're right. So, I mean, we, we have a 1-1 one, one in red. I mean, when Herschel won, were we in – we were in white that night too. No, we were in red. We were in red. We were in red that night. So, we lost the next 
I don't know if we uh, uh, we lost one in white back then, and did we lose the next one in white? I don't know the other two, Pitts, the the Pittsburgh and the uh, Penn State. We have not won a natty in our home jerseys since 1980. So there's that. We're about to. Is there any chance we go with a gimmick and go blackout, black jerseys? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> All red, red pants, red jersey. Let's bring back those uh, goofy, uh, what were those, Nike uniforms when we got uh, run out of there by Boise State? Was that the year we played them? Oh, no, was that Oklahoma State. Awful. I can't remember if it was Oklahoma State or Boise State, those goofy gray ones. Oh, they're terrible. Wasn't it gray helmets with all red? Yeah, let's bring those back out, man. I those were uh, they were an abomination. Absolute abomination. <laughs> yeah, it was a joke. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it has been one hell of a ride with you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of it. It's been fun. I look forward to it each week. Well, and, I do uh, too. Man, it's been rolling. <laughs> it's been rolling. It's been rolling with you. I always think when I think of Georgia winning and how much they're winning, I, and the next thought in my mind is, is the Bad Dog Show. Well, I, I would uh, I would like to take some credit. I, I don't think I've heard it, and uh, timing is everything. Uh, you know, it's a safe bet to start a podcast when you've got Kirby Smart as your coach, racking up top five recruiting classes. Yeah, that's correct. Good call there. Good, 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 good foresight. <laughs> Yeah, better to be lucky than good. That's all right. right, Buffalo. Thank you very okay. much for all your wisdom and insight, and uh, we will be recapping this very soon. I hope we get to recap a victory. We we're, There's no hoping we will. All right. Well, safe travels and go dogs. Go dogs. So that's it. That's our Natty Show. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you in what? What's? Oh yeah, TCU. Yeah, I forgot all about them. Uh, I don't know. I got nothing. Okay. Uh, so real quick, um, you're a tiny private Christian college. You're actually kind of hard to hate, um, which is annoying to me. And uh, yeah, the the hypno toad thing. We're immune to that. That's amateur hour. So you're a cute story. The whole Cinderella thing and the whole David versus Goliath angle. Uh, it's fun for people to talk about, I guess. But in this show, we deal in reality. And the reality is you've been playing with fire all year. You're 13 and one. You could very easily be eight and four and play an Ole Miss in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. So you like playing with fire. Well, you're about to be in a sea of gasoline. How does that sound? Sounds delightful to this mad dog. Um, that's all I got. So thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Dr. Snetzer. Thanks to Dogger. Thanks to Bert Hodges. Thanks to Buffalo. We'll see you at SoFi. Go dogs and screw the frogs. Peace out. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Sanford Company. Fincher's Barbecue, Sellers Construction, Go Clean Co., Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, J. Lee Attorney at Law, 
Ortho, Georgia. Pelicano Construction. Jags Pizzeria and Pub. Bib Distributing. The Park Group. Corporate Connection. The Dog Bone. And Bulldog Illustrated.